Hi, this is Michael Senoff with Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. The title of this interview is called The Shocking Reason Why You'll Never Get What You Want. Stephen Siskold, author of the book What Your Body's Telling You, was raised to be a polite child and not express everything he felt. Most of us were raised with similar beliefs and in turn passed them on to our children. In this interview, Stephen Siskold reveals the truth about what really happens to our early beliefs. Here's what you're going to learn in this interview, the surprising thing you do to undermine your own success, why people don't believe what you say, some ideas on how to cure aches and pains and maybe even asthma, what you can do to regain control of your life, simple strategies for finding success, the one thing you can do now to save your child's life, why you aren't losing weight no matter how hard you try, and how to get rid of fear and elevated anxiety. Everyone holds many beliefs deep inside themselves. You probably don't know what beliefs are inside of you or how they got there. Steve Siskold has developed an amazing method for accessing the beliefs that are locked deep inside you. Listen to this interview to learn what miraculous things can happen when you access your deepest beliefs and apply Steve's proven tactics for dealing with them. Hi, this is Chris Costello, and I've teamed up with Michael Senoff to bring you the world's best health-related interviews. So if you know anyone struggling with their weight, with cancer, diabetes, ADHD, autism, heart disease, or other health issues, send them over to Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, glad to be here, Chris. Like a lot of kids, I probably felt something, and often we are trained not to say anything, or sometimes we'll say what we feel, like I'm hot, and somebody will say, oh, no, you're not. Keep your sweater on, you know. So a lot of us learned really early on not to speak up. But one night I was sitting at the dining room table, and my dad came home and wanted to buy a business. He was all excited. He was just so tired of working so hard and long as a underpaid manager. And my mom, like most people, you know, worried about security. She basically nixed the idea, and I just kept feeling something in my body wanting to blurt out. And all of a sudden, I couldn't take it anymore. It came through, course through my whole body. I said, Daddy's a miracle. He can do it. Let him buy it. It was probably about 12 or less. I felt it. And, you know, the beauty of that is that they went the next day and looked, and actually my dad did buy the store. And a week after he bought it, there was a national food strike, or at least a state food strike, and all the big supermarkets closed. And my dad had lines around the corner. Thank goodness that I had that instinct and spoke up and helped him. Of course, he did it, but I think I was definitely part of it by feeling something and not holding it in. I think it really did help me say, wow, what would have happened if I would have kept that communication in, like most of us, you know, hold it in my body. I'm not saying I consciously got it as much as I did as an adult. I started working with people in advertising and sales and promotion and different things I was doing, and I noticed people weren't breathing. I noticed when someone would say one thing, their body gave another message, and I said, hmm, something's off. They're saying they're happy, but their fist is closed, or they're saying they have a great product, but their head's down. And I started then going more into studying body-centered therapy and somatics and just learning more about why do we say one thing, but our body gives off another message. Every one of us has beliefs, what I call viral beliefs. Things that happened in our life where either it was traumatic or just something happened that was uncomfortable and we held our breath, we enrolled our body to hold on to something, and as a result it became a pattern and we started having beliefs that were coming through our body. For instance, a guy tells me he wants to have a successful business. Okay, say out loud what you want. I want to have a, I couldn't even get the word successful out. 
And long story short, as I had him go into his body and really breathe and listen to what his body was telling him, not his mind, he had what I would call somatic recall or a memory, where when he was young, he was taught from his father, he would say, Dad, why do other kids get toys on Christmas and I don't? And his dad taught him, oh, toys, they cost money, son. And to make a lot of money, you got to get sick. So that's a belief that was taught to him at a young age. His mind forgot about it, but when you saw him and he started to tell you about his business, his body gave off a message like, stay away. So what I would call the belief is, if I'm successful, I'll get sick. And as a result, when he's ready to talk to you about his product or service, in a way, he's afraid you're going to say yes because he might get sick. Now, his mind doesn't know that. But his body was there from day one. His body has that memory. And the body can be an amazing place for us to find out where these belief systems live and show us what we hold. You know, if the last time we went out on a date, we got rejected, if we're not aware of it, we could walk in the next time we have a first date kind of meek and our head down and we're talking confidently with words. Their body's basically saying, oh, I don't want to get hurt again. Oh, I think so many people are afraid to express themselves. I'm constantly hearing, no matter what the story is, where, you know, people just got caught in patterns, like this one woman who said, nobody ever wants to hear me. And as she went into her body, she got in touch with when she was younger, how at the table, when she would be talking, her brother would interrupt her, and her parents allowed it. So she started to get this feeling, this evidence, really, this belief that nobody wants to hear from me. The scary thing is that, like many of us, we'll do a self-fulfilling prophecy, meaning she'll be sitting with you, and this is what she identified, and the curtain's starting to open for a show, <laughs> and she'll say to you, hey, let me tell you what happened today, and you go, oh, not right now, the show's starting. See, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. So we wind up getting so caught in the pattern, it's familiar. You know, Chris, about 70% of the people who won the California lottery when they used to give it out all at once, like a million dollars at once, lost mm-hmm. it the first year. I think it's in the body. I think their body was familiar with being broke, with being poor, with struggling, with being upset. And they got all that money. It was like, <gasps> their body couldn't take it. And at some unconscious level, they did whatever it took to get back to that familiar kind of suffering place because that was more comfortable in their body. So my book has a lot of techniques and ways for us to make the body more comfortable, be able to take something in like, as I get successful, I will be healthy instead of the body right now is carrying boy, if I get successful, I'm going to get sick. You know, we can consciously change that. The first thing I tell people is separate the fact from the fiction. A guy calls me, says, my company's downsizing. Okay, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my health coverage. Wait, 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 that's fiction. What's true is your company's downsizing, and what's true is you're afraid. Let's feel into your body around that fear. Let's breathe and see if we can alleviate that fear. See, the mind will take us spinning, and I always say to people, really be careful about where your mind will take you. So the first thing to do is say, wow, let me separate the facts from the fiction so I don't drive myself into more anxiety by making up stories. And then secondly, start to get in touch with your body. Start to take some really deep, full belly breaths so that you can make a connection between your body and your breath, your body and your mind, by breathing. And then from there, do a full body scan from head to toe to notice what is. Like, oh, I'm nervous or I'm still holding on to something from the morning. I'm tightening my grip. Whatever it is, take a deep breath, acknowledge what that is, and then take some action. It might mean taking a big exhale. It might mean shaking your hand out the tension out of your fist. It might mean calling somebody you had an argument with that morning and you're still feeling it on your chest. 
But I think it's important for us to be careful of where the mind takes us, and that's why I'm taking people into the body so they can actually get in touch with the true anxiety and do something about it, like breathing, moving, telling truth, calling someone, versus holding it in and having it build even more. And often it'll make it happen. If that guy would have kept worrying enough, he might not have gone to work, he might have gotten sick, he might have caused himself to get fired. But instead, he got in touch with the anxiety, and actually, Chris, it's in my book, it's a true story, he actually turned out and wound up making a resume that day versus going home and feeling terrible like a lot of us do and getting into bed or getting drunk or who knows what people do to just you know avoid that pain. He actually got empowered once he realized he was making up a lot of stories. Once he breathed and moved and shook out that initial fear, he then got proactive and made a resume and actually got himself a new job. And so, Steve, in What's Your Body Telling You? Do you actually show people, like, how to go through the process of getting more in touch with their body? Thank you. Well, actually, I have several techniques in there where people actually do get more in touch with their body, shake out beliefs and separate the facts and the fiction, get in touch with the stress and anxiety and relieve it. I also talk about why and how we got to get out of our bodies so often. And I also give a lot of inquiries where you can go into your own body and learn things about your biography, things that you held onto from your past. How do you breathe? You can take a BQ test, in other words, instead of IQ. You can take a test to see how intelligent is my body, how much am I connected to my awareness. And then I apply it throughout the book to each area of life, life purpose, career, relationships, and health. Well, it's self-evident truth, which short would call it set. Because like I said, a lot of us really were discouraged or told that we don't know what we feel. Gee, I'm hot. No, you're not. I want to take my sweater off. Don't take it off. It's not hot in here. That teaches us, well, maybe I don't really know what I feel. So I call it your self-evident truth because nobody can argue with it. If you know you're hot, you're hot. When somebody says to you, here's a new assignment for you today and your belly gets tight, you can feel that and go, wow, I know what my body feels. The self-evident truth exercise basically is five steps real quickly. Step one is taking a moment to really determine and commit to, I'm going to go within. I'm going to turn off the computer. I'm going to close my eyes. Or if I'm driving, I'm going to turn off the radio. I'm just going to take a moment and get in touch with my self-evident truth. What's my whole body experience in this moment? The next step is to take some deep belly breath and notice the quality of your breathing. That starts the body and the mind connecting. Gee, I'm not breathing, or oh, I'm breathing from my belly, or I'm breathing from my chest, or I'm noticing when I breathe it's hard to breathe in but easy to breathe out. Just have a series of questions with your breath. Then a scan from head to toe to find out what is. Are my shoulders tight? Am I gripping my jaw? Am I shaking my hand nervously? What's really going on for me in this moment? Say it out loud or to yourself. I'm noticing my body is scared. I'm noticing my back is tight. I'm noticing I'm holding the wheel tight. Then take another deep breath and take some action. Release it, relieve it, make that phone call to that person if you still have something on your chest. So it's basically something you can do at any moment. I did it before we got on the call today. Basically, I do it before I walk into a presentation, before I give a speech. It helps me get set so I can be in my whole body, not just my mind. And if there is any tension going on, I can connect with it and I can relieve it at the same time. For more interviews on health, mind, body, and spirit, go to Michael Senoff's HeartDivineSeminars.com. How many people do you think that are out there are working, you know, just in their head, 
Oh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, most people will be driving to work, holding the wheel, gripping it, gritting their jaw, shaking their leg, and they have no idea. And they get to work and they go, well, I got the worst headache. So it's pretty rampant that most of us who are watching computers, we're in our text, we're thinking about something that happened earlier, something that's going to happen later, and we're not really connected in our body. And I'm just finding that's why the title of the book is What's Your Body Telling You? Because I'm finding so many people have come to me and said, you know, I've been going at the same problem, but I just can't get to it in my mind. Einstein has this great quote, you can't solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. So I always ask the question, well, let's see what your body's telling you. And we have, you know, ways to get in there, whether it's over the phone or in a workshop or one-on-one, where I help people get in touch with what's really going on inside. When I say I want to be a successful artist, why does my chest collapse? When I say I'm wanting to create a new relationship, why do I tighten up? And the body will give you those answers so that you can change the direction. You can actually have a better result once you're in touch with what might be holding you back that's living in your body. Body was there from day one. I mean, I've seen so much in my practice of people contacting memories, contacting even as early as the womb or birth experiences, things that happen that just stayed in their body and then get activated. I call it like a belief, like a virus, a viral belief. You know, things are in your system that are dormant. Maybe it was a shock. Maybe it was embarrassment in front of your whole class. Maybe it was an abuse. Something happened, held your breath, held your body, did everything you could to fantasize or get out of it or do a pill, whatever it took to get out of the pain, yet it's still in the body. It didn't get a chance to release itself or express itself. So that when somebody says something or some event is similar to the old event, our body will remember and actually act out. I can give you my own example. I remember when I went on TV, I'm a pretty confident guy. I love being on the media. I love talking about what I do. And when they called my name and said, you'll be on in a few minutes, I noticed I started sweating profusely. I had total anxiety in my body. I'm like, what's going on here? And as I started to breathe, Chris, and really feel into where that anxiety was coming from, I put my hand on it. I could see myself. I could feel myself as a young boy living in a kind of a safe, close-knit, family-oriented neighborhood. And the first time a few of my cousins and I went out, we got beat up by a bunch of guys from another neighborhood, and we ran home. And in me always lived a place that said, boy, if I go too far, it's not safe. Now, who knew years later I'd be walking out to a big TV audience and have that feeling come back? But I think a lot of us do. A lot of people I work with are entertainers or speakers, and they go, boy, when I get up to speak sometimes, I get really nervous. And as I tune into my body, I still am holding on to that time when I got up in my first speech in my first grade class and everybody laughed at me. Still right. in my body, you know, that people might laugh at me. I have very thin people that tell me they're fat. I go, you're not fat. They go, well, I know I'm not when I look in the mirror, but I feel it's in my body because all the years kids laughed at me. And so when people connect with that, what happens? Well, again, they separate the past from the present and they can do something about it. They can start to work, you know, like I can be successful. I can be healthy. I actually can lose weight. A lot of people I work with with losing weight, often stuff will come up. And a lot of women say, you know, when I was perfectly fit, I got tired of guys bugging me. Some of them had worse experiences. So, you know, they'll get in touch with something. They go, wow, no wonder I put on this extra weight. It wasn't so much just about eating. It was a form of protection. Well, that was then. And now I actually don't have to do that. I can actually be fit and work with my body and know that I'll be safe. And you start to rewire your thinking, you know, like my case. I can go out in front of a big audience 
and rewire, not just in my mind, like positive affirmation, but in my body. <sighs> Through breathing and breathing it in, I am safe. And then my body relaxes, and then I am. Nobody beat me up on stage, and nobody was going to. But hey, you know, there's a little kid in all of us that has a lot of memories that does live in the body. If it wasn't expressed, where did it go? That's the question. And usually it just got stored in the body. It can cause a lot of health problems. I've worked with a lot of people who have asthma and things like that. I'm not a doctor, but people who would say, I've had asthma since I was eight years old, and then we'll trace back in the body the source, like when this woman's grandfather died and she wanted to scream at God and say, why did you take him? And her parents said, oh, no, no, he's happy in heaven. Don't you scream. And then the next day she goes to the funeral, and she's wanting to cry. Don't cry, don't cry. Grandpa won't want you to cry. <gasps> she holds it all in. Two days later, she's diagnosed with asthma. I was the first person to encourage her. Scream it out, yell it out. Do what you didn't get to do. I always say to people, back then you couldn't express that because your parents wouldn't let you. Now you can. And you know the truth is, Chris, when she started expressing out, I'm angry. I'm angry, my grandfather. <sighs> all of a sudden, she's breathing better. She's clearing an obstruction that she held on to for 30 years. It was unbelievable. And she actually called me and said, you wouldn't believe it. I'm actually breathing so much better now. I said, well, that was something you were told to <gasps> hold in, and you did. And it was traumatic, and you held it in your lungs, and you held it in your body. And now you got to breathe it out and express it out. And she had a restorance of life force and energy and, you know, basically released a lot of that block in her chest. Now, I'm hoping that people will read my book and get the message that I'm doing on the radio and TV and everywhere else that it's really important to allow our children to feel. And if they say the bath is hot, don't run your hand in it and say it's not hot because your hand's not feeling hot. Listen to them. If they say it's hot, it's probably hot. I raised my son that way that I listened to him and I encouraged him to express out. I think a lot of our problems today with kids is that they're holding too much in. Then they have, you know, a lot of problems or teen suicides or never been higher. Kids are holding a lot of stuff in and they just can't take it anymore. You know, it's too much for the body, too much for their mind. You had some experiences with the Dalai Lama. Like a lot of us, I woke up, Chris, and I had a lot of tension and I was kind of lost at that time in my life just looking at what's going on in my life. I started to go into fiction like, oh, maybe I'm having a heart attack. Maybe I don't have a purpose. And long story short, I started to breathe and feel and notice that in me there was a great desire and a need to take a break from what I was doing and just go on a little journey. I kept asking where, and I kept feeling in my body and hearing the words India. I didn't want to go to India. It's not where I wanted to go. So I just went down to Indian Embassy to feel it out, and I saw a sign that said, get your malaria shots, and I said, okay, I'm not going to India. So I drove home. The next day, I felt it again, so I went down and got my visa. And a day later, I was on an airplane. I had no idea why or where. I just got off in Bombay, very far from where the Dalai Lama lives. And I got a hotel room, and the next day I woke up, and I saw a bunch of people living in cardboard boxes. And I said, well, maybe that's why I came here, to appreciate more and see how transparent life is. And all of a sudden, a herd of cows came across the street and disrupted a wedding procession. And I thought to myself, isn't that something? Those cows walked wherever they wanted. That was their instinct to walk right through the wedding procession, and they didn't care. Not only from a rude place, but I got this sense that what would it be like for me to just walk through India wherever my body wants to take me, really practice what I preach. So the next day I wake up, and I start to walk down the street and just practice experimenting, listening to what my body is telling me. And it's pulling me down this alley. My mind says no because I see a bunch of Sikhs and wild dogs, but my body's pulling me down this alley anyway. I walk down the alley and there's a gentleman standing there and he says to me, come here. 
I said, okay. He says, Dalai Lama. Hmm, Dalai Lama. Dalai Lama. And then he points to a scooter, and I got on. And 10 minutes later, I'm brought to a field, and there's about 15 Tibetan monks sitting in a circle, and in the middle is the Dalai Lama. And I was brought to the Dalai Lama, and I got so inspired and had so much purpose. So two days in India, I got what I came for. Had a bunch of miracles that month, but basically following my instincts took me to what people spend their life trying to meet with the Dalai Lama. So my message is follow your instincts. Listen more to what your body's telling you. You just never know where it's going to take you. This was probably about nine, ten years ago or less. Wow, and what did he say? He was speaking about being yourself and that even though the Chinese have done what they did to his people, that he never wanted to become violent or like them. Just listen to your own guidance. Stay in love. Always, you know, model who you are. And it just brought me to a place of, first of all, wow, look what happens. Look at the miracles that are available if I really trust that I'm guided and I listen. If you could sit with anybody, who would it be? I'm sure I would have picked the Dalai Lama right up at the top one or three. It just reminded me that he can stay in a place of, you know, his purpose and his love and his peace no matter what people outside are doing. That is just remarkable. If our listeners want to hear more about Steve Siskold and his phenomenal book, What's Your Body Telling You? You can go to his website at onedream.com, O-N-E-D-R-E-A-M.com. Thank you, Chris. Well, I'd just like to remind people that your body is your ally, even though it hurts sometimes or maybe doesn't look the way you want it to, there's tremendous information and knowledge and an opportunity, you know, before you make an investment, before you make a decision. When somebody's talking to you, start to listen to, well, what's my body telling me so that you don't have to go into automatic behavior and just react the way you think your mind wants to. We want to thank you for joining us on HardToFindSeminars.com.